0: This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation. Proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground. Presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved touchdown tyler murray that defender is in multiple pieces oh that was nasty right there right the latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team drilled by simmons isaiah simmons is balling bring it on bring it on slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. like a torpedo he came flying into the backfield i ain't scared of nobody here's paul calvisi feel like I should come clean right off the top here sort of a confessional on this edition of Cardinals Underground Paul Calvisi Darren Urban Danny Serac I'll just get this out of the way and then I'll feel better about myself perhaps work with me here Danny it was a late first half and Jason Kelsey left the game with injury hobbled off there might have been a part okay maybe all of me who really said hey Jason Kelsey world's best center uh, and key to that offensive line and Eagles are already missing the starting left tackle and the left guard. You know, if you want to spend the rest of this game in the training room, maybe on a card or in your sweats and get ready for the team flight home and not, no, don't come back for the second half. And there was Jason Kelsey after x-ray somehow gutting it out and coming back for the second half and then keying that offensive line for the Eagles. I do believe it's the first and only time that I've really, you know, let injuries, uh, you know, come into play. I never wish injury upon anyone. But if he was going to be injured, why did it have to be such a quick recovery, I guess is what I'm saying in a meandering fashion.
1: I doubt Darren believes in this, Paul, but do you believe in karma?
0: Sure, absolutely I do.
1: Then I would be careful next time. Yeah.
0: Right. So I'm coming clean. It's it's like it's a it's a confession of uh, sorts. I do
2: think it's kind of funny when you're talking about, you know, he came back, at, he only missed three snaps. So I know. It's not like.
0: Well, it was the very end of the first half. Yeah, and so was, he had, you know, yeah, right. so. it was. It, there
2: was the timing thing. But like he missed three snaps, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So, Paulie Penance, I'll uh, deal with that later. Right now, we've got Cardinals underground and. Uh, certainly don't have a cardinals victory are we gonna is anybody really willing to use the words moral victory i mean that that's that's mm. not that's not part of the lexicon in the nfl it doesn't
1: show up in the win column no
0: no absolutely not. now I, did,
1: I could understand it but... did, they, did
0: they hang toe for toe okay and in some regards they got down 14 nothing again and then came back i get it and there they were at the very end but too many self-inflicted issues for the Arizona Cardinals and I think that's why there was so much frustration and angst shall we say after the game which I do believe is a good thing we'll get to that in a minute but there were enough errors to go around for the Arizona Cardinals that yeah they they should be mad at themselves as we record this on a Monday look in the mirror and not like exactly who they see
1: well this was another winnable game for the Cardinals going toe-to-toe with the only undefeated team in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles and the fact that you're right, it was self-inflicted wounds. It's a lot of the same things we've seen at least on offense um, that have still been plaguing this team. If you're going to look at the moral victory, you you held your own against the Eagles' defense. Another good performance. Um, some some good things that looked different on offense. I know we'll get into the details later, but you know, thinking about Rondo Moore and and big connections with Hollywood Brown and how Eno you know, Benjamin played, so I could see, I guess, how if you're looking for a moral victory, of there was a little bit of hope. It seems like you you can see what this team can look like if they can play a full game of complimentary football going back to the Carolina game of taking advantage of the opportunities that the, the defense is giving you with turnovers. And it's just we're not seeing a full game of it. So I'm not sure at two and three how much you can really ride the high of a moral victory when you're two and three.
0: Well, it's things that are so correctable. It's missing Zach Ertz on that final drive by a country mile, something you do not see, at least historically, out of Kyler, who has usually a much better completion percentage and deep balls. It's like when he missed Hollywood Brown in the Rams game, right, on that deep shot. And then Hollywood Brown dropped the deep slant that could have been six. And then the Cardinals' defense out of the gates. Hello, guys. Um, Hello. Have, have we ever defended a screen before? I mean, that tight end screen that's inexcusable why, why does that is such a big hitter for such big yards and that was one of the big adjustments they had to make when they came back to the sidelines so there's so many things Darren that I think this team's looking at itself and just saying okay wait a minute you know um it's things that they typically don't commit errors and so forth that for whatever reason has been plaguing this team to start 2022
2: well l- look I mean the, the screen game for what the Eagles do, that's been hurting a lot of teams. In fact, last week, Zach Ertz was talking about how all they, they run a ton of screens to Dallas Godert, and and it it works. And and it's funny, watching the Eagles game, all I could think of was like, these feel like a lot of the same plays the Cardinals run, except they're obviously a little bit more effective. But, um, you know, all the people that want the Cardinals to throw downfield all the time are like, the Eagles aren't throwing downfield and they, and they've got a couple of guys that you could throw downfield to, And they didn't. So, um,
0: I mean, how many bubble screens did the Eagles throw
2: that were effective? Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, again, then you start going back to, I I guess I kept comparing it to not only what the Cardinals defense was doing, but what the Cardinals offense does. And and then saying, okay, how much of it is execution as much as I, obviously people hate sometimes the play calls cliff does, but, but obviously somebody's using them to being effective, but, I don't know. I, I felt like I, I, when you lose, it's so easy to pick at the stuff you're not doing. And and I go back to the fact that if you would have told me coming into the game, well, uh, uh, this will be there'll be a caveat on this. If you would have told me coming into the game the defense was only going to surrender twenty points to the Eagles, I would have said that's good. Normally, I would have said they're going to win. But I know how much the Cardinals offense has struggled that maybe 20 points isn't going to be good enough. But I mean, to give up 20 points to that team, um, you know, really the only the main thing that I had a problem with the Cardinals defense, quite frankly, was the end when you just you couldn't get off the field and you let them burn up seven minutes.
0: I mean, you lost time of possession thirty-five twenty-five. So I know the analytics folks in particular say time of possession means nothing. Bruce Arians used to say time of possession means nothing. It's what you do. with But you only had three possessions in the second half. Think about that. We just finished with Cliff Kingsbury's TV show, and he said he's never been part of a football game where he had only three possessions in the second half. Yeah. So, you know, that's where time of possession does matter because – it minimizes how often you're able to touch the football. So that that was – I'll tell you what else I liked about that Philly offense because everyone steals from everyone in this league is when they have third and one, fourth and one, or right at the goal line and they're breaking the huddle really quick and they're running up to the line of scrimmage and everyone get a boom on there and they're just snapping and go and you're not set. And then here's the bush Bush from behind with either a running back end or a tight end, and then there's a mass of humanity. And guess what? Even after the whistle blows, are you sure that Jalen Hurts isn't squirming forward just a little bit more? Because how do the officials know? They don't know until they start peeling bodies off the pile.
1: They, the, the Eagles did that. At one point, they had that, that play, and nobody was ready. And Jalen Hurts, he ran out left, and it was Isaiah Simmons, right? Wasn't it Simmons who knocked him out of bounds and then ended up being called back for a penalty?
0: Well, there was the one where they tried, and he got loose, and he slipped, and that was Marco Wilson that credited with the tackle, but I don't know if that was the same circumstance where they were rushing up to the line I, on that one.
1: Whipping your head around real quick on that I, one I'm there. curious
2: to know, when you say uh, – When you're talking about how much, are you just impressed from afar? Are you? Are you? Is there a quiet? I think it's effective. Is what I'm saying. Okay, but are you? Are you quietly implying that the Cardinals should do this? That maybe the Cardinals should have plans, plans ready, plays ready to
1: go in a situation like that? Because
2: I've, I've grown. We want to talk about narratives that I've grown tired of. If you want to say Kyler should be running more, yes. No, no, I'm
0: talking about the quarterback sneeze. Yeah, I know. That's ahead. I know where you're going with it. All right, right, I'm getting there. Okay. Everybody should just
2: step off, using one of your terms, step off and stop talking about the quarterback sneak. It's not going to happen with this quarterback. For for everybody to keep lamenting, why won't Kyler get under center and just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't know why people keep thinking it's going to happen. So
0: you're not saying should or could, you're no, saying it won't.
2: It won't, and I don't understand why everybody is giving themselves an ulcer over it. The, he is... He is not comfortable doing it. He is not big enough to necessarily do it. He is not Josh Allen. He is not Jalen Hurts. And it's not going to happen. So I'm not really... I guess I'm getting confused over... If if he's going to be your quarterback. Now, if you want to take it to the next level and say, well, if Kyler can't do that then he can't be this quarterback get him out of here we can have a different discussion
0: no but if,
2: if you're gonna and I'm not saying just yeah. you trust me right this is this is a third rail for me now because now I, I hear this right. all the time and I've, I've I've grown weary of it because it's not going to happen with this quarterback so you're, you're either saying move on from Kyler as your quarterback or in my opinion just move on because it's not that's not going to happen it's not
0: has he ever quarterback sneaked it yet in his Cardinals career from under center? I do not That's an honest so. question. I do not believe so. Maybe you break the huddle and you Benjamin is a wildcat quarterback under center. That's and James Conner. Maybe you do oh, that.
2: They did it with Chris Streveler. Yeah. And that True. was remember that was the plan. It was was like okay if we're hmm. going to do this short yardage stuff, it's going to be Chris Streveler in there. Yeah.
0: Maybe you slip Trace McSorley into the huddle and then break the huddle really quick and you rush up there and snap it. I don't know. But I just, I was effective. They used it how many times? At least three different times. I don't, times they I used don't it.
2: disagree with you. And I understand all the QB sneak arguments. I guess my point is just it's not going to happen. And spending time talking about it or worrying about it, I think, is, is Cause,
0: worthless. Because the corollary to that is the teams that then on third and one, fourth and one are in the gun. And you're already starting four yards behind the line of scrimmage. So that, 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 which,
2: that's, which the Eagles did a couple times. Mm hmm.
0: So, I saw Lamar Jackson do it. Yeah. But to your point, they have a quarterback who's more willing to run the quarterback power. Also true. Like a Cam Newton. Also true. So, uh, but look, right now, the Eagles, it is fly, Eagles fly. Okay. You know, and all those Eagles fan, man, how many times have you guys been asked about the Eagles fans in the stadium? I. It, to me, it's right there with the uniforms. I, I just I, – why do I not care? I just don't care. I, maybe because I'm just desensitized to it at this point. Maybe it's because it's utterly out of my control. I've just dismissed the topic entirely. I really don't care at this point. If you're living in a destination city, it's going to happen. Has anyone seen what happens at SoFi when the Niners come to town or the Cowboys come to play the Rams? I mean, they have to go into a silent count every wait, time. No, wait a
2: minute. Are you, are you saying you're not surprised when, like, there's – it's only Cleveland fans in Cleveland, but actually in, in Phoenix, Arizona, there might actually be other people that want to come here.
1: That it, it makes sense. I was thinking about you, Paul, because when I was down on the field pregame for radio, they had the music turned up because the Eagles fans in pregame were so loud. And Jim Omohundro, our producer, could vouch for this. I was standing there with my noise-canceling headphones, pushing them against my ear, yelling into the microphone. I can't hear you. And that was pregame. I mean, was it not like that for you during the game? Because even then again, when I went down on the field the last couple minutes to watch the rest of the game, it was loud. That final drive for the Cardinals, you could hear defense chants and you could see the silent count.
0: I guess I just drown it out at this point. I really don't hear the crowd that much. And Cardinals are going to Seattle and I'll be there. Now, you can't help but hear Seattle fans because you can stand right next to each other shoulder to shoulder and scream at the top of your lungs and you can't hear each other. That's how loud it is. You know, and whether that's actual organic, natural, realistic sound or maybe it's enhanced <coughs> a little bit, I'm not exactly sure because it's an outdoor venue, but that is the case. So, And you know what? This is just the theory could one of the reasons Justin Pugh was a little salty after the game a little bit was because the Cardinals had to go into a silent count and how often was Justin Pugh the guy who had to turn around make eye contact with Kyler and then tap the hip of the center as they coordinated the silent count and maybe he was a little torqued or triggered by that
1: it's possible I mean you're in your home stadium and you're having to do that and they're not the only team that have had to do that had to resort to the silent count at home this season but yeah, that makes life a little more difficult. And then you're you're supposed to have the home advantage, I would imagine. Maybe he was a little extra salty.
2: My guess is if that kick goes through the uprights, Justin Pugh is just fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the realist that is well, Darren Well, I Ehrman.
2: mean, I, and that's the thing. Everybody wants to talk about it. I got a, a mailbag question going this week about Kyler's demeanor after the game. I'm like, look, I mean... We, we can talk about all these things, including what Pew said was like there was lots of people to blame and all that stuff. But if that kick goes through the uprights and they yeah. go to overtime.
0: And by the way, nobody's cranky. Everyone talks to the kicker in two situations. If there's a game winning kick or a game losing kick. This is true. Everyone interviews the kicker because the kicker is part of the story. Otherwise, nobody talks to the kicker. It's extremes. It's one or the other. Either you won the game or you had a chance to win the game and didn't deliver.
1: That's, that's part of what comes with the job. That position is you'd only get a certain number of chances every game, whatever situation that might be. And as maybe unfortunate as it might be, you are expected to be as close to perfect, especially in those clutch moments, those game-tying, game-winning moments on the line. And that's just what comes with the position.
2: I, I talked to uh, Matt Prater weeks ago i think right after training camps ended i mean if you go back and look now granted kicking has evolved over the decades but i mean it used to be you know even when they first started using soccer style kickers in the nfl in the six late 60s and 70s there were still a lot of straight on kickers with using the toe i mean back in the day if you made 60 percent of your field goals that was fine like, if you go back and look in the Cardinals' history with some of the kickers they had in the 60s and 70s, well, uh, Jim Baggin was pretty good. But, like, Neil O'Donohue, I mean, some of the guys, I mean, they were, they were making, you know, eight out of 19 field goals for the season, and then they were being brought back the next year. And and it's just, it's, it has come back to, and that's exactly it, the way kicking has evolved, I mean, as, as Matt Prater had been telling me, if you're not eighty five to ninety percent, people think you're horrible as a of a kicker and and no other position is having to endure that and and that's not necessarily fair, but that's real
1: It's kind of like the offensive line if you're not talking to them, they're doing a pretty good job if you're noticing them and you're talking to them more than likely it's not a good reason now sometimes obviously yeah like the offensive line diversity and, and finding a way to pull through but it's kind of the same with kickers of if you do your job usually you just kind of slide under the radar
0: we've had this uh, discussion with uh, dj humphries a number of times when he was the host of the big red rage and by the way hump is the special guest of the dave Pasch podcast this week so that'll be good stuff and his argument, you know, and I sort of play devil's advocate, imagine that. And I was talking to him, I'm like, well, you know, come on, you offensive linemen, you're so highly paid. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he gives me the stiff arm with that look. And he says, let me get this straight. There can be 68 snaps in a game. And if I'm great on 67 of them, but I give up one sack, I'm terrible. I'm trash. That's what a lot of fans think. He said, and oh, by the way, if the best athletes, overall pound-for-pound pound athletes on the field are edge rushers, the biggest freaks out there, size, speed, power combination, and I have to stop them while I'm moving backwards, what does that make me? That's so, so, a good point. It's a really good It uh,
2: makes you a multimillionaire yes, is what it
0: does. makes you 15 to 20 yeah, million years. I had years. that conversation like, happen before the contract that. extension. Yeah. Well, no, he, I was arguing against why he should make 15 to 20 oh, million I a year, and he, he was bolstering his oh, case. I, look, and he won. I lost badly.
2: I get that. Although, you know, at the same time, it's like, okay, there's always going to be one-offs when a fan is mad at you because you gave up a sack. But if you play 68 snaps a game, but you give up a sack every game and you end up giving up 17 sacks, yeah, you suck.
1: <laughs> Whoa.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is I'm it. not
1: necessarily disagreeing with you. It was just the passion yeah, that I loved, yeah. Darren. Yeah. Keep I got a lot
0: of passion right now. Um, So, oh, by the like way, speaking... I, I did have one question come across my mind. I should probably go ahead and and, and go ahead and uh, come clean on this as well. When we were interviewing Eno Benjamin after the game, and the emotions were raw in the locker room, and there was Eno, and props to him and Jalen Thompson for showing up and doing the radio interviews after a very tough loss. And we're talking moments after. That's your the, favorite time the team of team meeting, oh boy! Uh, and so uh, tread lightly, Calvisi. Ask questions that won't get you punched, which is maybe why I didn't ask Eno Benjamin. So Eno, um, you know. As the resident emergency kicker around here, do you think you could have made a 43-yarder?
1: Mm, I'm so glad you didn't ask no, that, Paul.
0: That, that would not have been cool. No. Although I would do wonder, do you think he would have made it? Uh, No.
1: I, I think they would have gone for it.
0: Do you think there should have been a different strategy based on the pregame performance by Matt Amendola?
2: Well, I will say this. I did not know about the pregame performance until I got home. Uh, Sunday night, and was watching some highlights, and they were showing. I think Channel 12 had it on, and they were showing that, and and, why, and showing him miss exactly the same way, and that that's troubling. Yes, but unless here's the thing, and I and I I went on Arizona Sports Monday morning and was talking about uh, kind of how the end of the game went, and whether they should have. The whole thing about spiking the ball and whether they should have done it. And I understand those arguments. Maybe get a few more yards or whatever. But this idea that they needed to get a first down and clock it and then hopefully get a couple shots of the end zone, and then you're not well, – I hate that idea. 25 yards away from the end zone. I am imagining the conversation in this town if Kyler Murray had thrown an end zone interception or perhaps worse, been sacked – and the time ran out without a field goal attempt, because you have no way to stop the clock. I, I yeah. just no, it's this valid. Is,
1: this is a scenario where, because this team lost, it's it's a lose lose when yeah, you look yeah. in hindsight, yes. right? Of people course. are people are going to feel very passionate one way or the other, but that's that's why You're they right. that's why they get paid the bid bucks on that side of the building because they're the ones having to make those tough decisions. Um, I do think you have to take into consideration the kicker you have and having to look at the trends that they have and, and knowing where their strengths are. Um, but I, I agree. I, I feel like it was the smart move to kick it, especially because on that final drive, for the most part, the Cardinals were moving the ball well. That they, they were moving with a sense of urgency. They were moving the ball well. Um, this team has proven in overtime this year their, their ability to come back and kind of rally and, and believe in themselves and come back and win a game. So I don't hate the idea that they kick the field goal thinking you tied and you go to overtime and you have a little bit more time to kind of get settled and kind of regroup and go from there. Um, I just think it's unfortunate, you know, for I, same as you, I didn't know till after the game, Darren, about that pregame showing all the missed kicks and missing that same kind of kick. It's just, it's unfortunate.
2: Well, and, and the other thing too is, and I understand new kicker and we can talk about that if you want, but. You know, we've been around this long enough, Paul, that we've seen the incumbent kicker miss oh. kicks that you thought yep. they should have made. Absolutely. And cost this team games. I mean, it's it's not – Matt Prater's missed a kick or two that cost this team. So, uh, you know – it's it's
0: in fact going to Seattle. He had a really bad game at yeah. Seattle last year. He missed all, a couple of field they goals. Won. And, they did win, but he missed a couple of yes. field goals and an extra point. Yes. And I think his battery was changed up. Wasn't that the game without Aaron Brewer yeah. yeah, and Or? Yeah, and those those things and those, matter. You know, and Absolutely. and the wind was blowing in off in Seattle like it does from the open end of the stadium, I and mean, he was kicking that direction. Those mm. are all issues, you know, which which aren't issues. Obviously, at home the conditions are perfect. Um, but you have a kicker you just sign off the street. So honestly. Once again, the play that resonates for me the most, and you're right, Danny, they, they got the ball at their 25, they drove it down to the Eagles' 25, no. and they did it with a buck 45 left on the clock, so there was a lot to like in there, but the one play that sticks with me the most is him missing Zach Ertz. Yeah,
2: yeah that's true. Wide,
0: open, deep chunk play that would have changed everything yes. on that drive. Because Then Ertz, you do get to go for the yes, touchdown. Yes, and Ertz was tracking to go out of bounds Easy. after about a 30-yard game. Yes.
1: And it it all comes down as cliche as it is. I mean, even growing up when I played sports, this is something I was told by my coaches is it, it comes down to more than one play. So when Justin Pugh is in the locker room around the media, waiting and talking with kicker, Matt Amendola, it it is more than just the kick to me. It's, 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 Obviously that is a big play, but especially the way that the offense started the game when they had so many missed opportunities. Like that that's where I, I understand that as your teammate is your is your vouching for them. To me, it's if you're scoring and you're having all these, you know, extra points that are missed, or you have your consistent kicker missing these field goals that they always make. So I, I do understand of it comes down to more than just that play. That Zach Ertz, the incomplete pass that you're talking about right there. Like another example of it was more than just that missed field goal that sure. the Cardinals yeah. had opportunities. Yeah. to Kelvin win the, game. Beecham,
0: the false start on you know, and, and, and that drive as well, which <laughs> you can attribute to the silent count. I think they mess, got messed up on that because uh, for, you know Eagles were actually showing a zero blitz right there and it discombobulated the Cardinals for a moment. So there are things. There, there's no doubt about it. Here's if you had zoom out on that miss, is it me or have there been a number? Of misses by Kyler so far this year, because Craig Grilu on Cardinals Cover Two had a stat that right now his completion percentage is between 65 and 66 percent, which is the lowest of his NFL career since his rookie year. And if you look at a lot of the metrics on Kyler and the passing, he's 31st or 32nd yards per attempt, and a bunch of other numbers that I won't get into. Hashtag no math. I'm just bunch saying. Bunch of other numbers. I'm just saying. um where is the court and does that lead to some of his frustration after the game an hour elapses before he gets to the podium and he's still in full uniform now anybody who's been in that cardinals locker room you know kyler he he wears every game and and he will wear his uniform for a long time yeah, before he gets into the say, shower that's... he does but but he's never I mean, there was their game in Detroit last year. It was a really bad loss, lackluster loss, and he took a long time getting to the podium. Are you talking but about taking a long time to get to the, podium the podium or, podium or wearing the uniform? Or the uni- Well, but the uniform. We've never seen that. To yeah, that we did. We degree. just saw it
2: last week. Now he came in right away, but JJ Watt came in. I'm saying the
0: combination, the long wait uh, and still wearing the uniform. No, That's what and, I'm saying. And
2: look, the reality is, and we saw all the pictures. If I'm Kyler Murray, I'm not coming in the interview room wearing what I wore to the game. That's yeah. something. But but I also say this. I mean, I don't. I agree with you. He, he's been way better in terms of coming into the interview room sooner this year with props to him and the media relations department to work on that so that it happens. But that used to be a common occurrence was 45 minutes to an hour waiting around for Kyler win or lose. So he likes to sit in his locker. He likes to check his phone after the game. He likes to kind of be by himself for a few minutes.
1: He was hanging, though, at his locker. His head was hanging down for for quite some time. We were in the locker room before well, he I went mean, out for his press conference. And the first question, which I believe might have been your question yes. to Kyler Murray, was he almost seemed like he was holding back tears. He was so emotional talking about processing the loss. Like, it, it seemed very heavy well, on him.
2: I, again, I don't play in the NFL, but I've played enough sports and I've played enough sports that I cared enough about that I get it. And... You know, at my age now, you you've learned a little bit more and you understand a little bit more. But when I was 25, hell no. And and I I I get it. Even even the Justin Pugh stuff. I mean, the the part about the Justin Pugh stuff where he was so upset bothered me because he wanted to blame the media, which I'm not a big fan of for obvious reasons. I that's that's my area. And I want to say, Justin, come on, man. I mean, well, I've been I've been doing this as long, almost as long as you've been alive, and you you know, but you and you know better than this. But in terms of his frustration, his anger, however it manifests itself, whether it's Justin Pugh getting in front of the cameras and dropping f bombs all over the place, or Kyler sitting in his locker and then coming to us and not having a lot to say, uh, or even Zach Ertz, who was. A little bit more um, verbose than Kyler was, but clearly talked about how upset he was. I mean,
0: well, and a number of guys talked. That that was the confusing no comprendo part for me on Justin Pugh was there were a number of people who got interviewed in the locker room. All you have to do is go to azcardinals.com and click on the videos. There's a half dozen of his teammates that face the cameras. It wasn't just Matt Amendola. The media wasn't just waiting to talk to one guy.
1: Right. And maybe he didn't see that, but you're right. I think it's just probably thinking of, Oh, he missed the kick, so we have to talk to him. When in reality, if he had even made that kick to go to overtime winner loose, I think he would have still been an intriguing, pers- intriguing person to talk to because as the media, we didn't get a chance to talk to him during the week after he was signed here. So yeah. either way, I think he would have been somebody the media would have gone to. I think Pew was just trying to stand up for him and, and remind him that, you know, this isn't all on you.
2: Well, he was trying to do a couple of things. He was trying I, to do that. I and he know. was clearly also trying to send a message to the rest of us, which... Okay. Message received.
1: Well, and, and, well,
0: look, and, and look, message um, heard. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and you guys were in there, so you tell me. You take the temperature on that room. It was palpable, right? The yeah. anger, the frustration. Well, and
2: not everybody. James Conner passed on a chance to be interviewed, among others. So I mean,
0: I mean, that's that's the most anger I've seen after a loss in a long time. It, it really is. Now that's a very subjective statement. You know, Wolf has his spankometer where he rates the level of physicality out on the field. Oh, I, I'm glad you explained that. So this that would be the, the frustration o meter. Uh, you know, it was it was redlining after that game, and I think it's a good thing. I, I really do because there were too many losses last year. You guys know down the stretch after they started ten and two, like ah, oh, we'll get the next one. There wasn't. You know, I mean there. You know, on one end you can have anger, on the other end you can have apathy. It wasn't quite apathy, but it didn't quite – guys didn't quite well, wear it like they, they did Because they had already built up yes.
2: their cushion just right. like in 2008 where yeah. it was like, eh, well, yeah. well, we've already clinched yeah. the division, yeah. we're okay.
0: Yeah. Without realizing maybe just maybe they had lost their edge along the way. But there was definitely an edge in that locker room after the game. And so I'm curious what that means, if anything – going forward and, uh, and we talked to Cliff Kingsbury about it on his weekly TV show and he said yeah he said he sensed it there's definitely a vibe it was definitely visceral if you will in there that guys feel like you know this isn't us this is not the brand of ball we're capable um, of
2: playing w- what were the two things that we're tired of talking about and they're tired of having to listen to oh. an answer
1: no home Ooh. wins and
2: yeah. what's slow the
1: starts offensively and
2: what happened did At I win slow, slow starts what period, do I win and, and they came out of that game, not only did they not get the win, but they didn't cross either of those out. So those continue to be stories for yet. Yeah. Well, for the home thing, it'll
0: be another two weeks.
1: Yeah. Almost a full calendar year. their last win and
0: you know what if they want to use us as the foil if they want to use us as the heavy the bad guy if you will then go for it yeah if they're going to use the media as the some uh, some sort of nemesis that is uh you know the problem here for no home wins your longest home losing streak since the late 50s and no points in the first quarter for the second or third straight week is the only team in the nfl in that category if you want to blame it on the media if that's the catalyst. For you to actually do something about it, because you're sick of hearing about it from the media pencil next, then okay, great. If that if that's the way you're going to frame it, and that's motivational enough, whatever it takes, you know, we'll take our game check, uh, you know, next Monday if that in- indeed is the difference, the media and the prospect of us asking that question all over again.
1: Yeah, it's- and even though it's a new season, you still haven't won at home this season with plenty of opportunities and winnable games. So even though it does go back, how many how many has it been? Eight games now they've lost at yes. State Farm Stadium.
0: The, well, last, the last home win was, well, by the time Houston. they play the next, the next game, it'll be a full calendar year. By the time they play the next game. Well, maybe no, a couple Saints. days Just shy. Short. Just A couple shy. days shy. And it was Houston, yeah, and they got down 5-0, then scored 31 I think unanswered. I think it's
1: like less than a week of yeah. a full calendar year when they play the Saints from their last home win.
0: Yeah. So, look, um, yeah, and, and if you want to get the best out of the Arizona Cardinals, you know what you do? Road trip to Seattle. That's where you get the best out of the Arizona Cardinals, where they've won five of the last seven. And there's just something about Seattle that it brings out the best in the Cardinals, the us against the world, us against the 12s. And now I don't know what to make of the Seahawks.
1: You I, just need the Cardinals to win so you can call them the last place Seahawks yes, again. Yes,
0: please, please. Because all of a sudden, Geno Smith, the right now we're going to be calling him the NFL comeback player of the year by a landslide at this rate. I mean, are you kidding me? He's two weeks removed from winning NSC Offensive Player of the Week. The last time he won that, an Offensive Player of the Week award, it was in 2013. Think about that. The guy was dormant for nearly a decade. <laughs> I mean, he, he's like a grizzly bear. He was in hibernation for like a decade, and he, and he wakes up, and he's throwing dimes. Where's, where's the stat on this last game? You realize going into the last game they lost at New Orleans, he was leading the NFL in completion percentage. Geno Smith! And, and, and then he goes out there and he threw three touchdown passes, a 50-yarder to DK Metcalf, a 35- and 40-yarder to Tyler Lockett. And I don't know if you saw the highlights. These were absolute seeds. Yeah. They were right on the money in traffic, in coverage. I mean, these these aren't cheap touchdown passes. He's I don't know the, what's
2: going on. He's the, you take it for what you will, but he's the highest Graded quarterback and pro fo- um, pro football focus.
1: <laughs> so did Seattle know something nobody oh, else knew? Gosh. Well, I I've already
2: thought that maybe not so much about Geno Smith, but definitely about Russell Wilson, and in terms of uh, cost benefit analysis. But I, I do think that you know Geno's feeling himself a little bit, and rightfully so. He's playing a great, he's having a great year, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Now Rashad Penny their best running back yep. just suffered a season ending ankle injury. And so can you, you know, get Geno Smith in positions where he's gonna struggle a little bit because he doesn't have as much of a running game. I will be very interested to see how that plays out and and how it goes. I mean clearly the Seahawks still have two great receivers in Lockett and Metcalf. And uh, you know, how that kind of goes is is how this game is going to go and I'm fascinated and the Seahawks defense is nothing to write home about. No. If this offense is going to get better and get better in the first quarter you absolutely I mean at least the Panthers who aren't a very good team I think their defense is okay. Uh the Seahawks don't have that kind of defense. Can you can you make something out of that?
0: So, the Seahawks defense has allowed 27 points or more four times in five games and 39 points or more twice, including 45 to the Lions in a 48 45 barn burner win by Seattle two weeks ago, where they didn't punt. They went like touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal miss, touchdown, touchdown. I mean, it's just stupid how effective they were against that that Lions defense. And, and the Rashad Penny is a good point because, remember, last time you saw the Seahawks, it was week 18, and he ran for 190 yards, 23 carries for a buck 90 against that Cardinals defense. And they lost a shot at the division title in a home playoff game. And a big reason why was Rashad Penny.
1: And you know what? Hopefully that allows this defense to – take advantage of the fact that they're not going to have penny i think especially because i think the cardinals have done a good job at stopping the run especially not having richard lawrence who's been out after having surgery with a hand injury is that maybe if you have to worry a little bit less about their running game it makes defense makes their jobs a little bit easier knowing you're going to have to focus on dk metcalf and tyler Lockett, and that's going to be their game plan yeah.
0: i mean the whole Geno smith thing um you know, and you mentioned the cost benefit analysis. Think about it. They trade away Russell. They got two first round picks, two second round picks. They got Noah Fant. They got their backup quarterback and Drew Locke on cue, Danny Mizzou. M I Z. And in addition to that, they're only paying Geno Smith, I believe, $4 million this year. It is dirt cheap. So, yeah, the return on investment has been staggering at this point for the Seahawks. Uh, And we'll, we'll see, you know, I mean, uh, they did lose uh, their big defensive tackle, Al Woods in that game against New Orleans. They lost their right guard, Gabe Jackson. We'll see what their status is going forward. Uh, And then, you know, they, Pete Carroll was certifiably distraught after last year. Remember the Cardinals went up there with Colt McCoy and they beat him and, and, Coach Double Rainbow, after the game, he was, man, he was distraught. He couldn't believe it. The 12s were booing the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. That's when I personally knew it was over. I'm like, if the fan base is booing Russell Wilson at this point and the home team, they're going to make a change.
2: So here's my question, Paul, because uh, I I know that these kinds of things impact you perhaps more than most people. Um, There's conversation that they might have to change the game time because of of a conflict with the Mariners playoff game. I'm going to have to call Raj. I, and I'm just wondering. It would
1: be what, flexed?
2: I don't think it would be flexed. From the report that I saw was there's conversations going on, whether it could be moved. Somebody told me, I didn't look this up yet, somebody told me the Mariners game would be 1 o'clock local, which would, is supposed to be the the kickoff time. So you're either going to have to go later, or you're, which is unlikely with Sunday night football, I would think, or do you have a real 10 o'clock a.m.? Wow. Kick is this off. a
1: thing that they just decide, oh, we've got playoff baseball, so we're going to move the game? Have cause... you been to Seattle? Actually, no, I haven't.
2: Okay. There's no humanly way you have two games on at the same time and, and make that work down there. There's so there's they're, barely they're enough next room. next door to each other, yeah. There's barely enough room for one, yeah. <laughs> one game down there for yeah. all the people. I can't imagine Oh, it's a trying... home
1: for Mariners are playing at yeah, home. Yeah,
2: their Mariners are. Oh, no. This isn't like, hey, we want to make sure everybody can watch it on TV. No, this is be-
0: uh, I don't know. I don't games, follow yeah. baseball. I mean, they, they might see, have. I thought to... you were a Rangers fan. No. I'm no, just checking.
1: Why, how could I be a fan of them? I I follow baseball enough to know that they stink.
2: No. I oh, think... you're one of those baseball fans, mm. Fairweather. Oh, obviously. I, what fan
1: is fan is a is too much to describe how I follow baseball.
0: Obviously, the Seahawks are going to have to forfeit, so we'll have to see about that. Um, no, I. How you, you have to a to preference, Seattle, uh, Yeah, I'd rather go early. Absolutely, let's go early. The thing is, the Cardinals just changed their practice times. Well, see, as of up until two weeks ago, they were practicing earlier every single day, and they'd be more equipped the whole body clock thing. Well, here's
2: the other thing too: I don't think there's any way they move it late because the you—they got a Thursday game next week. You're not playing a f- uh, a, f- oh, a night right. game or a four o'clock game. That's wow. true. That's right. I just don't see how that happens. Hmm. Whereas, if you move it earlier you actually buy your team an extra three hours of recovery time. Yeah.
1: woo yeah. Three extra hours for you, Paul.
0: So, I mean, is this automatic? Something's got to give? They can't have two kickoffs no, no, at the I same just, time? Uh,
2: Pete Carroll said it in his press conference okay. on Monday. said... There's already been some discussions about potentially moving kickoff time. That's that's all I was. Gotcha. I didn't mean to scare you, Paul. Okay. Well,
0: well, I mean, you know, obviously the biggest consideration, and if you want me to call Roger Goodell, I will. He did call me Pauly Pigskin less than a year ago in his an events. So, you know, we got that whole symbiotic thing going around here. <laughs> But I know you guys have your big night planned out, you know, with Jim Omahundro, you know, out on the Seattle Town on Saturday this night. That's true. And you need you guys personally need speaking of recovery time. I like how Paul's <laughs> acting like he Are won't you not going? Speaking of recovery time needed. Did we kick him out? almost it's that, it's that earlier kickoff time that would really impact um I think those among us here in the studio the most. Forget about the players in the locker room. Uh, you Look, guys I, I, think I already know a,
2: Danny. I I know Danny can operate in a lot of different ways yeah.
1: heck yeah she can yeah. I so like that compliment she, she's already yeah.
2: proven that yeah. so um you know it's that you
1: you're just saying that I'm professional that's what that's what you're that's saying That's
2: true I'm saying you're absolutely professional yeah.
1: thanks
0: is there a segue there to the comeback of Antonio Hamilton is there a segue in there I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to get to Antonio Hamilton <laughs> <laughs> probably uh, not there was about a half hour press conference a really Sounds good it's pretty gripping yeah. It, re- it really was for a lot of different reasons, He's right? an
2: eloquent man.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's – um, you can see why he's defied the odds and he's made the NFL, I, you know. And, and when he keeps football in perspective, when he talks about his family and, and his health and, and the you know, the props he gave to his wife repeatedly and deservedly so, everything at seven and a half months pregnant to take care of him when he couldn't walk and get him to the bathroom and change his wounds and, uh, you know, second-degree burn, I mean – I said this, um, I was on with Wolf earlier, and, and I said, you know, my mom for 30 years was an RN, and she worked in big city emergency rooms, and she said the one area she could never handle were the burn units. Mm. And and so for his wife to actually dress those wounds and so forth, and uh, and for him to defy the odds himself. well, they gave him a two- or three-month timetable, at, the, at the, and he came back in five weeks or something like that? Really, back on the practice field in five weeks. So it's pretty amazing and remarkable the Antonio Hamilton story, which for those who aren't familiar, go ahead. What'd he tell us?
1: He told, well, first of all, before we talk about it, I highly recommend that you go to the Arizona Cardinals official website or YouTube channel to go listen to it in its entirety because it was fantastic. Um, Antonio Hamilton late in the preseason was routinely getting dinner ready. He was about to cook some shrimp and he had grease in a new pot and it caught on fire it was a grease fire and he had his two young daughters who are aged five and two in the kitchen and so grease fires are difficult to put out so he was trying to put it out and basically went to grab the pot to put it outside and in doing so got grease on his face which led him to dropping the pot so then he got yeah so he he burned his feet but didn't even realize because he said his shorts caught on fire and just hearing him talk about how he was coming off a great camp was being named the starting cornerback opposite of Byron Murphy. And in literally 30 seconds, that changed. And it could have been so much worse And that he just kept using the word gratitude and that he had shifted his perspective that he was looking at that he had gone through this for a reason and he kept t- touching on his faith. And the people that he was talking to, other burn victims it, it, is what I took it from of throughout the, the treatment process and talking to different people and how he could use this as motivation and why he was meant to go through this and so the fact that he with a lot of help from his wife um has been able to recover we learned you know last week was his first week of practice and we learned that he had only had you know 20 minutes spurts of 20 minute workouts maybe three times and the game was really the first workout so now it makes sense when you go and you see the photos before the game and even after the game the emotion on his face when he is running onto the field and he is on his knees and his hands are in the prayer motion looking up before the game and just understanding that it took a lot for him to get back onto the field. Um, Very, very inspiring. He spoke very eloquently. Highly recommend going and listening to that full press conference.
0: Yeah, with two young daughters as well in the house. Yeah, that that was it. That, he was trying to get the pot like outside and and trying, you know, to, telling the girls get out of the kitchen and family room area. And then all of a sudden, it drops. And oh my gosh, yeah, it could have been so much worse.
1: Yeah, second degree burns. He said, I think a few few spots were third degree, but not to the point of where you might need like a skin graft or something of that nature. So very so, yeah, yeah. He just kept using the word gratitude.
0: So. Okay, you know, look, um, Byron Murphy, I don't know what the adjustment was. Did anybody actually find out? And I wanted to ask him, and it was totally inappropriate to ask a football question during that press conference. I really wanted to know, what was the adjustment on A.J. Brown? Because he had three catches on the first drive, and he was a problem, and then all of a sudden he had one target the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, that was amazing, really. I mean, we we need to give props to Vance Joseph for the job that he has done this season uh, on many levels. And, you know, guys, some of these stars are not – getting the kind of stats against this defense and obviously it hasn't been perfect all the time and he's had to work around some personnel issues and different things but I mean Cooper Cup didn't go off oh. uh Christian McCaffrey Devont- Devontae Adams I mean there's they're doing something they're doing something right
0: now the Slim Reaper was a problem at times Devontae Smith I just say that because I like the nickname but yeah but, but they're all
2: bubble screens yeah no, Nothing you're right. down the field
0: and, 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 and you know are they getting more blockers out in front of these bubble screens? Is that the difference between the Eagles bubble screens and the Cardinals bubble screens? I mean, somebody look at the film and let me know. Because if you're not going to steal the QB sneak, Darren, then can we steal some of that from from, from whatever yeah, they're doing? Yeah, Darren. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. I mean,
2: I, I saw the Eagles running so many of the same plays that I felt like the Cardinals normally run. <laughs> So obviously Uh, somebody's doing it right. So maybe it isn't, again, maybe it isn't just the plays.
0: But I'll just leave you with this, my final thought. I feel a lot better about the cornerback room, especially as Antonio Hamilton gets back into form. Because didn't he, during the course of that press conference, actually call himself the best corner in camp? I think he did. If you go did. back, he called himself the best it's corner probably, in camp.
2: It's probably decent. He also, he also said, uh, if you go look at the film from the uh, Eagles game, you wouldn't, he basically said you wouldn't have known that I was out for six weeks.
0: <laughs> that's good. What do you need, first and foremost, as a corner? Confidence. Su- supreme confidence. So that's fine with me. I, I have no problem with that. But if you have Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson's been playing better, according to the coaches, than Antonio Hamilton, okay. You feel decent about that. Um, where are we on the edge rusher? And when is the trade deadline, and is it feasible, plausible, doable for Steve Kahn to make a deal with some team that might be out of the hunt and might be willing to take a low-round pick in return for an edge rusher, a -a rent-a-rusher, that you can use the rest of the year?
1: You know, it has been interesting through these first five games of feeling as comfortable as I do, at least, in pretty much every other position of the defense. Because when we entered the season, it was, uh, your defense... Might be okay. You just need them to do enough and then have your offense really take off. But it's been the defense that's been playing well and has improved every game. And you're looking at the DBs, um, talking about those cornerbacks. Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, again, continuing to play well. Savin Collins, I feel like, has worked a lot more consistent this year. Um, Isaiah Simmons has been getting more snaps. He's probably the only one who might be glad that we keep talking about these slow starts offensively and not winning at home because it's taken away from talking about how he, his snap counts went down earlier in the season. And again, I feel like this team has done a better job at stopping the run. So it still really is the edge rusher. So but what, I would.
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I
0: just cut you right the hell off. Today. You
1: did. I. Son of a I, I would.
0: <laughs> As so they show a picture of Micah Parsons over here on the screen. I would
1: like to see them make a move for an edge rusher. Even though that when you look at the numbers, and Vance Joseph has talked about this, they might be winning their pass rush win rate. But. Yeah. But how effective are they at disrupting the quarterback consistently? I don't. Know. You,
2: I, that's what I was going to say. I think they actually disrupted Jalen Hurts a lot this weekend, didn't you?
1: Yes. And I know that it is more than just sacks. But I feel like that's maybe what this defense is. They're still forcing turnovers. I just feel like there could be more in that area than any other part of the defense. So I would be okay if they, if they made the right kind of trade. When is the deadline? November 1st?
0: It's early November, really early November. That first week of November. So, I don't know. Is there anybody out there? You know, what, you know, Melvin Ingram. You know, as you know, he was a free agent, veteran guy in the off season, he's but, actually but see, had a real good start to the season. There was, been a couple of guys, November Jerry first. Hughes. November 1st, okay. I mean, there have been a couple Jerry of guys, Hughes you know. In Texas, right? You know, the Houston. Yeah, the Houston. Houston. He had a good see, start to the season. The
2: problem is, is those guys were available, and they didn't have any interest in them when they were free yeah, agents. So why know. would That's they spend saying. a draft pick
0: on them? No, no, no. no I'm not saying go after them now. I'm just oh, saying oh, you oh, could oh, oh, have had those yeah. kind of guys okay, in the yeah, off season. You're and you're so, you know, are you kicking yourself now that you didn't go after a guy like that in the off season?
1: Or, to play devil's advocate to myself, um, do you feel like this defense is doing well enough to where you don't have to make a trade and you can get by this year and that's something you put more money into next season?
2: Well, I, I, I would have to I, I, I kind of want them to see where they are. I mean, I think the defense is playing pretty well. Your, your other issue with going after an edge rusher is like, who who are they replacing on the thing? And I'm not saying you wouldn't get somebody who's more effective now, but who are you cutting? Like, they just elevated Jesse Lucchetta because somebody wanted to sign him off the practice squad. And so, like, are you, are you going to take the chance to cut him? You're, you're mm-hmm. not cut, cutting my Jay Sanders. You're not. I mean, I guess you could cut Devon Kennard, uh, perhaps, or. You know, I, I who are you no, replacing?
0: No, you know, I mean, look, uh, you know, you're carrying seven outside linebackers. Why not eight? At this point, you know, whatever. It's like a baker's dozen. Just throw another one in there. Who's going to notice? I mean, you are carrying a lot of outside linebackers. That's
2: why I'm saying someone's. So, you
0: know, it, it
2: would have to be a one for one.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, in, in terms of, I mean, it, you're also carrying. Are you still carrying six inside linebackers? Because if Nick Vigil gets back from the hamstring, and then, you know, there could be a casualty there, and maybe someone
2: I mean, – What is Isaiah Simmons to you?
0: I'll just throw this out there. I mean, if you cut a Ben Neiman, is he getting scooped up immediately, or could you send him to the practice squad a la Devon Kennard or a Max Williams? D-
2: ben Neiman
1: just but, played
0: 45 snaps. I say, but, I but now Nick Vigil's him. on I'm IR. i when Nick Vigil comes back. Is he on IR, by the way? Did they, put, yes, him they yes. put him on IR? Yes. Oh, four games? <laughs>
1: Dang. Keep up, Paul.
0: Strike that. I didn't realize quite was on IR. Oh, my goodness. I guess
1: if we're going to talk about IR, other news is wide receiver Antoine Wesley, the setback that we were told he had last week, his first week of practice after being designated to return because of a hip and groin injury. That setback was, in fact, season ending. Well,
2: and and with all due respect to Cliff saying it was a setback, the report by a national reporter, Aaron Wilson, was that he tore his quadricep, which that's not a setback. That's a different injury. Mm.
0: Wow. Sounds really. You don't hear that too often. You, you and I didn't. I mean. Did
1: you see? I didn't see him out on the field on Sunday at the game. And usually he's out there. Did you see Tweety? I did not see him. Makes no, you wonder I, I did, if I did not any see him. sort of no. you know, recovery or if surgeries needed anything like that. If maybe that's already happened. Yeah,
0: that's. Uh, and then we got to find out about Rodney Hudson as well. He was down there, but he was in sweats. So how long term is Rodney Hudson? How long term is Matt Prater? These are two Matt veterans Prater. you would love to get back sooner than later. Prater's thirty-eight. So, what does that mean exactly? And what's the severity of the injury? And what's the realistic recovery time for your kicker when he's dealing with a hip? Is that the official? Right hip. Yeah, right hip. Right hip. So, um, okay, we'll see. And Seattle's not an easy place to kick either, as uh, everyone knows with the crosswinds and everything
1: else. Have we looked at the weather?
0: I've not. I refuse to look at the weather till the very end of the week, Danny. Please do not do so because it, it really does make. Can bad, my fingers move fast? It, it makes for bad karma when you First look early all, on the weather. When
2: we recorded our podcast before the Carolina game, we thought for sure you're going to get
0: drenched, and by yeah. the
2: time it came, you were fine.
0: And what did I say? Wait till the end of the week because it, it, the margin of error in these meteorologists early in the week, seven days out. But here's
2: here's the one problem with that, Paul. If we wait till the end of the week, we can't give you <laughs> on the, oh, <laughs> stuff on the podcast.
0: <laughs> wow,
1: twice. Darren,
0: Justin Pugh just entered into the uh, Cardinals underground right here, dropping <laughs> DJ expletives <Humphrey's>. we had, <laughs> just dropping. and Kyler, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if anybody asks you on the street, what does Darren Urban have in common with Justin Pugh, <laughs> Kyler Murray and DJ Humphreys? Absolutely nothing. Profanity would be the answer. That would Certainly be the answer. The paycheck. <laughs> so on that one. Well, Darren, if you just come up with an answer to the first quarter woes, <laughs> right. you would get moved to the other side yeah, of the building. Yeah, nobody
1: seems to have an answer. So yeah. if you can think of that. Right. You're rich.
0: Yeah. It's a story about the guy at Frito Lay, and I'll leave you with this. Boy, probably, <laughs> wasn't the guy at Frito Lay, and they're making a movie out of this? Supposedly, yeah, did you hear that, this story? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, the, the CEO of Frito Lay called an all-company meeting, all-company meeting, everybody, every level, and there. And he said, I think it was over a Zoom or whatever. And he said, anybody who has an idea, here's my email. And this guy was a janitor, I believe, yeah. and he submitted the idea for the Flaming Hot Cheetos. <gasps> My hero. Because as an employee, he would get the plain read or uh, Cheetos, and they take them home, and they would add all the hot sauce, and they make their own concoction. And he submitted a bag of what they make at home. That thing is like a billion dollar idea, literally. In large
1: b- part because of me. Yeah. And they made I that. I love those. They
0: made that guy a VP and gave him his corner office and his company car, and he makes big money, big big money right now. The CEO came through on his promise.
1: Wow, I did yep. not know that story. I'm yep. inspired. Yep.
0: Paul and Danny, you'll be happy to know that the the official, as of uh, recording here, the official forecast for Seattle on Sunday is 75 and sunny with what? a 3% chance of precipitation. Really?
2: And the best part is, 75? oh, we we'll just delivered that like the radio weather vibe voice he's got. <laughs>
0: That's right. Weather on the nines here. Yeah.
1: So, does that mean I still have to pack my rain gear? Because if I don't, it's going to rain? Is that, is All that the All I know mojo? is if
2: your suitcase is as heavy as it was on the plane last whoa, time. Come whoa, whoa, whoa! I had really? to pack
1: my rain boots in case it decided to rain. rain. What, what, they weigh like rain
2: seventy boots. pounds or they're something. Still
1: rain big. Boots.
0: Were they rain boots or fly fishing boots? <laughs> Are you standing out in the middle of the Rogue River? Like, they, I mean, what's going on? They're pretty tall.
1: Yeah, they're pretty tall rain <laughs> boots. What, the? what? It's Wolf <laughs> who picks up and takes down my suitcase. Uh, so you can't excuse complain. Excuse me. Last
2: trip, I was the one who put it up. He took it down. I put it up. <laughs>
1: Thank you for that, Darren. Yeah, but I did okay. switch my seat with you, so it was the least you yeah. could That's do. That's true.
0: i I'm will also give you that. Actually, what I've learned on this podcast, Danny is very superstitious. Closet Am superstition. Am I? Yes. I mean, you three repeatedly. You've you've recited karma or superstition or you know, try not to.
1: I think maybe a little. Speaking of for anger, the Office fans, I'm a little yeah. stitious, anger, not superstitious.
0: Anger the gods of karma. So uh, there you go. A lot of anger. That's the theme word. This you know, like Sesame Street. We're brought to you by the word anger here in week six, coming off the loss to the Eagles on Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Here's Pacific our title. Office Automation.